Hey everyone, welcome to the Paradox College Podcast. I'm Caleb Hickson. In today's episode, we're gonna be talking about party culture and alcohol. everybody. Thanks so much for joining us in studio with me today. I've got two TCU students, Jared Kano and Isaac McGuire. What's up, fellas? What up? Hey, man. How's it going? Good, good. Now, Jared, you're a senior, and Isaac, you're a junior? Correct. That's correct. awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and give give our listeners, uh, all, all 12 of them, uh, a background on, <laughs> on uh, who you guys are and where you're from. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um. I mean, I'm Jared. I'm from Austin. Uh, transferred to TCU here as a sophomore out of community college, and I've been here for three years. Um, what community college? Austin Community College. Oh, ironically, classic. I mean, it's so, not ironic. It's, you lived in Austin. I did. I yeah. did. It was just the go-to spot. I didn't really want to go to college. I wanted to go to the military. My dad talked me out of that. Ooh, good for wow. dad. Yeah, good for dad. Yeah. He didn't want me to be shipped off somewhere. And but he didn't want you to go to UT. No, my parents are Aggies, so that's oh, never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, the Aggies. Yeah, that's never going to happen. Yeah. But I transferred here, been here for three years. I get to graduate in May, God willing. What are you studying? Criminal justice. Okay, yeah. what are the plans post-grad? Uh, like to go home for a year, work in the government somehow, and then um, hopefully get back up here and go to Texas A&M Law School, be a lawyer one day. Let's go. There's the Aggie. There's the Aggie. There yeah, we go. I get my Aggie ring. Give him the howdy with the thumbs up. My parents would be so proud of me. Gosh, it'll all it'll all be worth it in the end. Absolutely. That's so fun. Awesome, Isaac. What about you? Yeah. Well, I'm a junior finance major, um, born and raised um, in southwestern Virginia, um, but have lived in the the DFW metroplex for for about eight years. Um, love TCU. Love Fort Worth. And love Paradox. That's amazing. I've always been jealous of people who are able to say born and raised because I was born but not raised <laughs> where I was born. Uh, in fact, we moved a lot when I was a kid. So uh, kudos to you. Thank you. That's Appreciate awesome. What, uh, what brought you to TCU? Oh, man. Really the people, um, the beautiful campus that that sold me a little bit. Cool. Um, but the people. Love Texas. Love, love Fort Worth people. Nice. That's awesome. All right, fellas, what are we doing here today? Why are we having this podcast? Who wants to take a stab at it? Yeah, well, um, Jared and I just wanted to come to you and um, come to the listeners just to talk about um, party culture on college college campuses, um, specifically TCU, um, and just wanted to pose some questions on what uh, the Bible says about it, um, how college students should interact um, with party culture, how they should interact with um, things like alcohol, and just really how to address it um, amidst college. Great. I love that. I mean, I feel like that's a, I mean, it's a huge thing on all college campuses. Like what specifically about y'all's experience brought this up? I can think back to a time not too long ago when it, I'm going to do air quotes, snowed, and um, <laughs> yes, it's just a snowstorm. <laughs> You know, we had like a quarter inch of whatever that was on the ground. So, of course, school was canceled. And just driving down the street and seeing literally a line out of the liquor store um, right by campus. And it just kind of it bugged me because I saw that off day as an opportunity from God, a gift from God to be able to play catch up with whatever I had going on in my life. And I drive by all of these kids who I'm sure have 
better things to do than this, but instead they choose to, you know, go indulge in this culture of having fun 25 yeah. 8. Yeah. 25 8. I don't know if I've heard that one before. That's good. That's good. <laughs> All the time. Isaac, same for you? Yeah. Yeah. Just to add on to Jared, um, just like seeing the groups that I've been involved on campus um, and, and some of my friend groups, um, just seeing like, the culture at TCU, um, you know, whenever there's an off day or whenever there's, you know, um, free time, just people kind of jump to partying, um, you know, and I've just, um, had some questions about that. Um, and really just wanted to, to address that today. So isn't it fascinating? The things that you run to when you're given unexpected free time and what they say about your heart. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're chasing after something with your free time, we know what you love. Yeah, that's we know right. What you want to yeah. do. That's right. It's 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 like it's similar to me of what Jesus says about like uh, how you spend your money is where your heart's at, mm-hmm. right? Like how how you spend your time, that's mm-hmm. also where your heart's at. It's a good indicator of what you're running after. Because yeah, sure, like um, you know, you you get a snow day, and you can use that snow day for a lot of different reasons. You could catch up on schoolwork. You can enjoy God's good creation. You could just relax for a moment. Like you, you guys know, and, and I've, I've talked to enough students to know that you're stressed out every moment of the semester. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Sounds about right. And, and here's a free snow day to just say, you know what? I don't have any school to do today. I can just kick my feet up and enjoy, but what do we do? We run to the liquor store. And so, um, I'm going to, before we, we dive into like what the Bible says about this, um, I, I, I know that students who are listening to this are, most of them are going to be TCU students. And so I, I understand that you guys know and feel this. And so I don't have to convince you of this, but I want you to hear the numbers because it's, this is not just, this is not just us saying, uh, we're overacting from a snow day, right? This is, this is not just an isolated event. This is, 25-8, right? Yeah. This is all the time. And, and the reason why I say the numbers is because I, um, I've done this a couple times over my uh, as, as a uh, college minister where I've gone, and it's a wonderful thing that the universities will uh, – they'll do a public report of their uh, – what they call security and safety reports, right? They release them every year. And in the, these reports, they, they, they list out a ton of different stuff, like, you know, anytime there's a fire or if there was like a, a burglary or uh, some, some other criminal thing. And one of the things that they also report on is alcohol violations. Um, and they, they, they report them for, for on campus for the disciplinary actions and arrests. And so I, what I think is fascinating is I love to go in and see what TCU's numbers are, and then I like to go compare them to other major universities in Texas. Uh, and so we're going to play a quick game with you two about these numbers, right? Uh, what would you guys say? Let's let's just um, let's start with. Well, I'll give you the the major campuses: University of Texas, Texas A&M, and Texas Tech. Of those three schools, now again, we're 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 doing like what they've reported. So let's just all understand that it might not be the the greatest reporting they may not be very good at reporting their stuff or they may not be very good at policing they may not do whatever but of these three schools that i just mentioned not not including tcu because obviously we're, we're going somewhere with this and so it's a little easy to, to pick tcu but of those three schools who would you think has the highest 
alcohol violation reports from 2020? I want to go with tech because I can't bag on the Aggies. Yeah. <laughs> and Austin is so close to downtown that I feel like you could get away with it more often. Okay. So I'm going right. to go with tech. Okay. Isaac? Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of between um, UT and tech, um, but I'm, I'm with Jared on this one. I think Texas Tech. Man, you guys, for all of our Texas Tech listeners out there, I'm so sorry. This is nothing personal against nothing you guys. Uh, they are correct. Bring. I wish Bing. I had like a little uh, sound sound thing that I could play right there. An easy button. Yeah, that was easy. Yeah, that was <laughs> that one was an easy one. So Texas Tech comes in with a grand total of 661 alcohol violations reported. Wow. Uh, followed followed not so closely by Texas A&M, 235. And then UT, which is just like, come on, guys, this cannot be your number of 66. Yeah, that's that not totally right. Wrong. That's not right. So wrong. obviously we're dealing with some like some numbers that are a little low, but I'll, re- I'll repeat them. Texas Tech, 600-ish, A&M, 200-ish, and then UT, 60. Um, so if you combine all three of those schools, that is 962 alcohol violations. Now, let's play the game. Of the three major colleges in Texas versus TCU, when you combine the three, compared to TCU, who has more alcohol violations? That's 962 alcohol violations versus TCU. Who's got more? I got to go with us, man. I've seen too many people do too many dumb things here. I got to go with us. Man, yeah. Um, hmm, I don't know. 962, that's a large number. Um, I wouldn't put it past TCU to, to be greater than that, unfortunately. You are both correct. TCU came in with 1,118 oh alcohol violations in 2020. That's which, just sad. Which, guys, I get it. TCU's amazing at reporting. Way to go, TCU. (laughs) And I know that these other universities aren't, but when you begin to then compare the student populations of these schools, that number becomes even more outrageous. Because if you combine UT, A&M, and Texas Tech, that is a combined total of roughly 165,000 students. Wow. Wow. 962 violations for 165,000 students. And we have like 10? You have 12. 10, 12? 12. You, you guys wow. have 12,000. That's less than 10%. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Less than 10% of the student population, and you still have more violations. And so the reason why I, I, I put these out here is to just, I know I don't have to convince you of it's a problem, but I think sometimes we, even though we know it's a problem, we've, we've grown comfortable with our problem. We've grown comfortable with seeing it on our campus. We've grown comfortable in this culture. And we don't realize just how bad it is. Yeah. We don't realize how extreme the culture is at TCU. Now, we can, we can make arguments all day long on these, and we can go back and forth on the numbers. I'm not here for that necessarily. I just want to put that on the table of why we're even doing this podcast and not doing college campuses across America. But we're, we're talking specifically to TCU. Do you guys have any, any, any other thoughts on, on those numbers before we dive into these questions? 
I mean, honestly, I'm still trying to process how how big of a difference that is between TCU and those top three um, public colleges. Yeah. You know, that's that's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about you, Jared? I think we have uh, dandy policing work. We do, yes. Very, very good. Fine. Very good reporting. Fine police officers. Um, but, I mean, it's almost like it's okay to us like it's normal like the culture is so numbing here that it's all right if you get caught or you get in trouble because there's next weekend there's a weekend after that so i'm not really that shocked i guess yeah yeah and that's that's the issue is that as believers as christians who who i mean we've we've been in, in our current college ministry, we've been teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been teaching about how Jesus is inaugurating this upside-down kingdom, how we are to be countercultural Christians, and we're losing this fight on our campus. Wow. We're, we're not being countercultural. There's, I mean, there's just no way around the numbers. Our, our campus is, is in desperate need of the gospel. So, um, that's the that's the backdrop of this conversation. Um, we've probably spent enough time on that, but, but let's let's hop into what does the Bible say about alcohol, right? Because we can we can sit here and talk about how it's a problem all day long. Okay, but then what does the Bible say about it? Well, Bible has quite a lot to say, in fact, about alcohol. Surprisingly, maybe for for anybody who's grown up in a Southern Baptist church or just in church in general, I don't know. That Southern Baptist was my background, but the Bible does not strictly prohibit alcohol. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you should, you shall not drink. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that it is a, a sin to consume alcohol. In fact, it says the opposite of that, right? Uh, it 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 says that that in fact uh, I got some I've got some scriptures here. Um, in in Ecclesiastes nine seven it says, "Drink your wine with a merry heart." Psalm 104, 14 through 15 states that God gives wine that makes glad the heart of men. In Amos 9, 14, this, it discusses drinking wine from your own vineyards as a sign of God's blessing. And in Isaiah 55, 1, it encourages, yes, come buy wine and milk. So all throughout the Old Testament, we, we see that, that the Bible is, is, is setting up alcohol not as this inherently evil thing that is to be completely and totally abstained from and then Jesus bursts onto the scene in the New Testament and what is his first miracle he turns water into wine and then the argument is always from Southern Baptists which I'm just trying to to, to um, get ahead of some of the objections here the, the argument always is well wine in the Bible wasn't like it is today where it was it was basically grapefruit juice at that point which to, to that argument's credit, there is some some credence there where, where wine and alcohol did have uh, did have a, a lower alcohol limit or not limit oh, lower alcohol um, percentage. percentage. Thank you. Uh, in in those days, but there was still alcohol in them. That's why the Bible talks very strongly against becoming drunk with wine. So, so the Bible sets up these, these, this, this paradigm in which we are to, to view wine where it's not a bad thing, but too much of it is a bad thing. Mm. And so as, as Christians, we, we are to 
rightly understand wine as a gift from the Lord that is to make the hearts of men glad, to be used in celebration. We see our Savior Jesus turning water into wine. We see it used for all sorts of good purposes, but we ought not abuse it. Right? Right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, And then... When, when, we, when we then combine that with what the Bible talks about um, as, as our, uh, the, the universal mandate to respect and obeys, obey the laws of the land and the governing authorities that we see in Romans 13, you, you, you have a pretty clear way in which we ought to engage with alcohol, which is one, don't drink when you're underage, and two, when you are of age, if you are to drink, you're, you're welcome and free to, but don't drink to excess. Don't get drunk off wine. And uh, some of those uh, passages of scripture, if you're just checking, if you're fact checking me over here, uh, go ahead and read Ephesians 5, 18, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Uh, so it's it's drunkenness that's the issue, not, not drinking alcohol. Is that like from your guys's perspective, is that what was taught to you growing up? Is that how you've kind of come to this place and point in time? Um, honestly, just like getting, um, you know, my personal relationship with God, like it getting stronger, um, while at TCU, um, and me just honestly diving into this topic. Cause this topic is just really interesting to me. Um, you know, as I see, um, just honestly, alcohol abuse, just rampant at TCU. Um, I've become like really, really interested in it. Um, so yeah, like that, that makes sense to me, um, biblically. Um, and that's what my, my parents, um, taught me as well, but I didn't really fully grasp it until TCU when I saw, um, how it could be abused and how it could be misused. Um, and it's, it's been really cool to see how God has shown me, um, how that can be good, but also how that can be to the detriment of us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think for me growing up, my parents, I didn't grow up in the church and my parents were not heavy drinkers, which I'm thankful for. So as a kid, I was never exposed to alcohol in excess. Uh, My mom would drink wine on occasion, but my father rarely drinks. But when I got to high school, uh, me and my friends, we got in trouble a lot and, you know, we abused alcohol um, in excess and because we were underage. And I think that's kind of shaped where I've gotten today with this idea of being against the excess consumption of alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And real quick, just to, again, just to anticipate some of the objections that people listening to this may have where you're like, really, Caleb, you're going to, you're going to do the whole obey the laws of the land thing and like say that I can't drink when I'm under 21. What's the harm if I just have a beer with my friends in our backyard, which just a beer, why is that bad? I would argue that that's bad because the Bible says to obey the laws of the land. Yeah. Yeah. And and whether or not you agree or disagree with that law, it doesn't give you any sort of exception from it, biblically speaking. Whether or not that law is, in your mind, good or bad, doesn't necessarily give you any exception from it. The only time that we are given a uh, permit to uh, disobey the law is if it keeps us from 
from something from obeying something that scripture says for us to do a great example of that is daniel in the old testament whenever they passed the law about you can only pray to the king and he's like well i'm not going to pray to the king i'm going to pray to god that that's the only time that that we as believers as christians as as followers of jesus are permitted to disobey the law i, I don't know that anybody's going to be making an argument that underage drinking is is uh commanded in scripture yeah yeah, and honestly, like, when I was um, first coming to TCU, like, I struggled with that concept of, like, okay, well, why isn't it, um, like, why isn't it all right to just, you know, drink a beer or something um, with friends, um, even though I'm underage, even though the friends are underage, um, but really just as um, I wanted to look towards the word, what um, the Lord was telling me, you know, I really, um, you know, believe if we want to chase after Jesus, you know, chase after him with our whole heart, you know, we have to be obedient in all areas of our life. Yeah. Um, and even the areas that we don't, um, necessarily understand at first, fully understand at first. Yeah. Um, but God calls us to, to be obedient in that. Um, and that's, that's just been really cool, um, to me personally, um, just the spiritual growth, um, and emotional growth, um, for me in that area of like trying to comprehend and trying to grasp, like, why God wants me to do this certain thing. Mm. Um, but he, he wants, he chases after my heart. He chases after my obedience, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And listen, if the, if the next administration came in and reduced that legal drinking age to 18, then hooray, yeah. congratulations. We can all drink now. Like as long as you're above 18, but until then we, we get to, uh, respect the authorities that have been given to us. So now I, I feel like it, it's helpful to then uh, really kind of hone in for a moment on what it, what it constitutes abuse of alcohol, abuse yeah. of substance. And and I would argue that um, it's it, it may be technically different for everybody, but but there is a point in which you no longer are drinking alcohol. There's a point in which you become drunk. And in my opinion, that is when you have begun to abuse the substance. You've begun to 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 enter into, wade into these waters of your heart that are going against God's good design because you're now no longer controlled by the Spirit. You're you're allowing yourself, your body, to be influenced and controlled in some degree by this external substance of alcohol. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I could I could definitely agree with you on that. For for me, I guess where I would draw the line is and it it's different for everybody because if we bring science into this, you know, a larger person can drink more and sure. and not be drunk as fast as if a smaller person were to drink the same amount, they could uh, yeah. be totally out of this world, you know. So I think it's different for everybody, but when you begin to cross that line into drunkenness and kinda like what you were saying, Caleb, of you're no longer the spirit is no longer in control like you're just completely out there with your four limbs and your noggin that's not working uh you've definitely crossed a line Mm -hmm. yeah and and again even as we're talking and saying these things i'm just sitting here thinking that somebody listening to this i i there's going to be the 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 rare few people listening to this podcast right now who would sit here and disagree with most of anything we've said up until this point most people are going to acknowledge okay cool we shouldn't get drunk okay cool we shouldn't drink underage okay blah 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 blah. but how do we do it then how do we engage in college culture as a christian and do it well 
Would you guys agree that that's like the question that we've got in this podcast? Yeah, I think that's probably like the overarching question is how do we do this while still being right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, such a hard question, which is why we're having this podcast and why we're, why we're talking about this. Um, because when, when we get down to it, there, there's no formula that I can give you that is going to, that is going to keep you on the narrow path outside of fixing your eyes on Jesus. And so at, at its, at its highest level, what, what we're talking about here is when our eyes drift from Jesus and we start chasing, we've said this a, a couple times up in this point, start chasing, chasing other things and, and chasing the things that the world is chasing. First Peter um, talks about, I'm going to try to find that word I have. Yeah, First Peter 4, 4, 3 through 7. Peter, Peter talks about this difference between the way the Gentiles live and the way that we are, are called to live. He says, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, which is living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, mm. and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. The end, and this is jumping into verse 7, the end of all things is at hand, therefore listen to this guys be self-controlled and be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers that's a good word where'd you say that was at it's first peter four first peter four yeah that's a good one yeah and what what peter is doing is he's he's showing you the this is the way of the world this is when he says gentiles he, he he's really just using this language of saying this is how the world lives in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. That's what the world is going after. And I think, so So here, here's like kind of to, to, to continue to weave this uh, basket together, is, is as believers, we're, we're not we're not called to, to abstain from the world, right? Jesus says, no, I'm sending you in as sheep among wolves into the world. So then how do we engage with these things? Can, can, can we still party and love Jesus? Well, I think, I think the answer to that question is yes. You can still party and love Jesus. It, I mean, you, you look at Jesus' life, and Jesus himself was, was a partier. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have read the Gospels, yeah. but the, the Pharisees come to him in Luke 7, and they're like, yo, um, he is a glutton and a drunkard. They're not saying that because Jesus is just minding his own business. They're saying that because they've seen him out eating and drinking at parties with sinners. And they're like casting judgment upon him. Jesus is going to weddings. He's, he's, he's not living this uh, life of, like, um, of joylessness, this dull, bland life. Jesus is not. He's living life actually to the fullest. And he's enjoying the, the things that God has created. He's, he's enjoying all of it. And so I think you can still party and love Jesus, yes, but let's not be foolish to think that we can party the way that the world parties and love Jesus. Yeah, That's the distinction I think that Peter is making, is that, that we're to be salt. And that means that we, we cannot 
engage in the parties the way the world engages in the parties. <sighs> and you guys feel free to jump in as, anytime you want, but but there's there's just like this idea that I, I hear from Christians sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when they're talking about parties as they, 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 they kind of use parties as like a, well, this is my either way to like be missional to my friends, or this is like how God is going to like grow my character that I'm going to be at the party and I'm going to be the guy who's not like overdoing it. And, and at a certain level, listen, like at a certain level, like we, I was reading an article by uh, John Piper recently, and he was just talking about how um, the question isn't so much, is it sin or not? Because that question is literally the lowest form of life. Yeah. Where, where the question isn't, is it sin? Okay. If, it, if the answer is no, then I'm going to go do it. But, but we, we've moved past that to, is it wise or not? Is this scenario, is this situation leading you into more joy with Jesus? Is this situation, is this party causing you to grow in your affections for him, causing you to be missional towards your brothers, causing you to love your neighbor? I think those are the questions that we have to ask, and that's why we can't we can't party the way the world parties. And in fact, I think as believers, we're called to we're called to to be the people who who actually party the most because we have the most joy. We have yeah. the most like infectious hope that we ought to be the people throwing the most parties. And and so uh, I I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's 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 my that's like my my thought of like if how do we engage with this? Can you still love Jesus and go to parties? I think yes. I just think that there's some very practical things you have to consider when when going to those parties. But what do you guys think about all the stuff that I've said? Because I'm I'm on a bit of a tangent here. Yeah, no, I I love um, everything you said. Um, I think God calls us calls us to party, like you said, like party in um, a flourishing way. You know, um, where we're um, fixing our eyes on Jesus, um, and honestly, um, just being the, the salt and the light, you know, being the joy, um, that Jesus brings us, you know, the joy that we have, that we have eternal life, that we have our hope in, um, a bigger and better thing in that, which is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, as long as, um, our minds are on that, our hearts are on that, our hearts are chasing after that. Um, we can we can party and 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 still love Jesus and pursue yeah. Him with everything we have. Yeah. Um, we just must be cautious which um, surround which events we put ourselves in or which circumstances we put ourselves in. Yeah. Um, and that's my thoughts on it. What about you, Jared? I think kind of going back to the point where you said like we should be the ones throwing the parties because we have this infectious joy. Like I. I'd never looked at it from that perspective because like we are genuinely joyful people because we can rejoice in the Lord. And I guess you just totally changed my perspective. It's like, man, I want to go throw a party and invite all my friends over and let's hang out and have fun and, you know, be joyful. Yeah. Um, so you just, you got me caught up on that, man. I'm, I'm now all of a sudden I, I want to go dance or something, you know? <laughs> okay. So, so I'm going to, I just spoil it for you. My, my, um, my antidote to this is that we as Christians should be the ones throwing the parties. 
that we should be the ones throwing more parties, that we should be the ones inviting our friends to our parties, yeah. not going to theirs. That's awesome. Because the, yeah. the reason why we get ourselves into trouble, the reason why we, we surround ourselves in these bad environments of these parties is because it's somebody else's party. It's the world's party. And what's their hope in this party? Well, their hope is girls drinking, or, or guys, sorry. I don't want to make it different. <laughs> girls uh, and guys. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, it's, it's sex, it's drinking, it's drugs, and it's all under the umbrella of a good time. Yeah. Fun, community, whatever you want to call it. But it's the way the world does it. And so if we're, if we're going to sit here and say partying is not necessarily bad, it's just there are some bad parties, well, then what are we doing? Why aren't we on the front lines saying come enjoy, come, come taste and see what a, a gospel-centered party is? Or, man, are you 21 and you want to have a drink? Sure, go for it. But I've noticed, okay, cool, you've had three. Maybe, maybe you should chill. Yeah. And like this is part of the whole ca- being a countercultural Christian where it's, it's not going to be easy. You, if you throw a party, you're going to have people come and you're going to have people who, who don't share that same mentality as you. But you, you, you get to embrace the mess and you get to step in in a loving way and actually try to, to serve them by showing them that there's a better way to party. You don't have to get drunk on alcohol to, to have a good time because let me tell you about my, my Jesus. Amen. And man, guys, I've, I've been to, my, my favorite parties that I've been to are the ones that are thrown by Christians. And, and I, I'm gonna be honest with you, they don't look terribly dissimilar aside from a few a few key elements of like what what a quote-unquote world party would be right i went to uh, one of my, my my favorite like memory of a party that i've been to was a new year's eve party that uh one of my friends threw and guys there was dancing there was a dj there was alcohol like there was responsible drinking but there was singing praise to God. At midnight, we sang all glory be to Christ, and there was joy and celebration, and we got to, we got to collectively just rejoice in God's creation and the fact that he gave us another year. Yeah. And it was, it was centered on Jesus. It was God-honoring and Christ-glorifying. And I've got that memory of like, something that I will treasure forever because to me that was like what a great picture of what more than likely heaven will be like heaven's not going to be dull amen amen to that it will not be dull it's going to be a party and so we we as believers get to to have a little taste of heaven on earth when we do it for the glory of god which reminds me of first corinthians 10 31 first corinthians 10 31 says so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God. You can apply this in a lot of different ways, but what I want you to start thinking through, can I go to this party for the glory of God? Can, can I engage in this activity with these friends for the glory of God? Because the answer more often than not is probably going to be, yes, I can, but most of the time we're just not asking that question. Most of the time, we're not considering God as we're going to the party. We're not considering the Lord as we're going to the, the backyard hangout with our bros. We're, we're just going and doing our own thing, going our own way. Not trying to glorify God, but just trying to 
enjoy the moment. Am I wrong? No. Okay. I, I agree with you there. You said we're going to go our own way. It made me think of that song. Audrey was singing it last night. <laughs> I got to go my own way. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's but that is us sometimes. It's like, you know, we're just. We do go our own way, and mm-hmm. we don't we don't think about glorifying God in our actions or when I'm going to hang out with my buds in the backyard, like you said. Like that does, it's not natural for me to think that way, and mm-hmm. I think that's because I haven't built a habit out of you know approaching God specifically with this topic. Is like I don't think to ask God if this is okay before I go and do something like this. I just go do it because I want to do it. Yeah. Because I want to go my own way. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. You go ahead, Isaac. You no, something? no, I was I was just going to say, um, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I think um, just the Lord calls us to, to party and celebrate, like, what joy we have um, in Jesus Christ. Um, but in a way that we we glorify him ultimately, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, and that we radiate just the fruits of the spirit, honestly, that, that he calls us to, um, pursue. Um, you know, I know you mentioned, um, self-control, but there's, there's so many, um, good fruits of the spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Um, and I think, you know, as long as we're pursuing those things, pursuing those righteous things, pursuing God, um, he wants us to have a good time, yeah. you know? Yeah. Isaac, you read my mind. In fact, you might have been reading my notes uh, because I, that's right where I was going was through the Spirit, right? Because when we talk about glorifying God, like, we can all get behind that. We're all like, yeah, yeah, glorify God. Mm, I feel that. But then you, like, walk out the door and you're like, okay, how do I glorify God? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. What does that look like? What's the so- practical way to do this? Yeah. So, so uh, the thing I love about the fruits of the Spirit is they, to me, give us very tangible, practical ways to show us. It's it's a rubric in which we get to to, to view our world through, which is the, the fruit of the Spirit. But what I love is the, the passage— like the context around the fruit of the spirit, because what, what Paul talks about in Galatians five is he's talking about this idea of walking with the spirit. Yeah. He's talking about this idea of what you were saying, Jared, of like, man, I, I just, sometimes I just don't think about God. I just go and do it. But, but Paul's saying, no, 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 walk with the spirit. In fact, let me read it for you. He says, but I say, walk with the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So, so Paul is saying that you've got two, two desires here because you've been made new in Jesus, because you've been bought by his blood. You've been united with him. You are now in Christ, but you still have your flesh that, that wars against that. And, and, and they, they do that to keep you from doing the things that you actually want to do, which are to glorify God. And then he goes on in verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. What a list. Am I right? What a list. Very inclusive. Yeah, very inclusive. Uh, but but look look verse twenty one he says drunkenness orgies and the things like these I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God he's not saying that that if you've ever gotten drunk you won't inherit you won't go to heaven but it, another way to translate that is those who practice doing these things aka those who make a life out of this 
you're you're living like an unbeliever, then there there's a chance that you you you're probably not going to heaven. He says they they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But verse twenty two, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against these things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Amen. And so this is the rubric in which we begin to to look through it. If you're looking for a tangible way to be able to say, all right, how do I engage in my campus, in my culture? Ask yourself, is this going to increase my love of Jesus? Yeah. Is this going to make me more of a joyful person? Am I going to have peace and patience? Am I going to be more kind to people because of this? And and if if you can go through the 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 rubric of the spirit uh, the the fruits of the spirit, and and you can come out of it and say, man, I, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Then I think that's a that's a worthwhile thing to give your time, energy, and effort to. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, going like if I'm thinking about, I'm thinking of something practical in my life. If I'm fixing to go to stairs, which is a dance club. I'm going to start asking myself, you know, is this going to bring me love? Is this going to bring me patience? Am I going to be able to practice self-control? Because those are very practical things to do before you partake in a scenario that may not be yeah. um, traditionally a good place to be. Yeah. Now, let me let me just like engage with that for a moment because I think this is really common. Is it's It's not so much are these things going to give me love? Are these things going to give me joy and peace? Because this is the fruit of the Spirit. So these are things that when we walk in the Spirit, we exude. We, we, we become loving. We become peaceful. So it's not so much if I go to this dance club, will I get love? No, it's, it's if I go to this dance club, am I able to love my brothers and sisters? Mm. Yeah. If I go to this dance club, am I able to have a peaceful presence that's joyful, that's all found in Jesus because Jesus is all of these things. So it's not so much that we're trying to get the fruit of the Spirit from it, but we're, we're rather trying to identify, am I able to have this fruit, to, to embody these things at the party, the dance club, the whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're saying like I can go out there and do I have the ability to radiate this? Yeah this fruit of the spirit, whether that's patience or self-control or yeah. love or, okay. Yeah. No, yeah, that makes total sense. That's, I think that's a very practical way for people to think about, yeah. you know, what their plans are for Friday or Saturday night is yeah. just ask yourself that question. Are you, are you going to be able to radiate the fruits of the spirit in this environment? I think that's, it's simple. It's easy. Yeah. And is that environment going to make me more a loving person? Is it going to make me more of a joyful person? Yeah. Because again, those are those are the the fruits. It's 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 the evidences of the spirit. It's another way to, to translate that. It's evidences of the spirit. You your person person like the way that people experience you. Are you a loving person? Are you a joyful person? Are you a peaceful person? Those are the fruits. Those are the evidences of you walking in the spirit, walking by the spirit, being led by the spirit. Isaac, what do you got? What are your thoughts? No, yeah, that's that's awesome. I think. Um you know, it's it's so cool that we have the freedom to choose, you know, um, these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And we have the ch- freedom um, just to choose where we put ourselves, um, you know, to radiate these 
these beautiful things. Um, yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't mean that we can't go into certain things. There, nothing about the fruits of the spirit is going to to say you you're not allowed here or whatever. Yeah. But rather, it's it's a way in which you're you're able to to again ask the question that's not is this sin or not, but rather is this wise or not. Yeah, and, is it and fulfilling? So, yeah, and so and so like what I want anybody listening to this to to hear is that there is a very real and I would say probably likely chance that if you start to ask these questions, the answer is going to come back to you. No, you can't go to that party. You can't do that thing mm-hmm. because it's not going to lead you down the path of righteousness. And I think that that's okay. I think for us to be countercultural Christians, for us to actually start to go against the stream, we got to take a stand. Yeah. And we cannot continue to go down the wide and easy path that leads to destruction. We've, we've got to start to say, actually, these things are not for my ultimate good. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's hard because that's what all of your friends are doing. That's what your fraternity sorority is doing. That's where community quote unquote is happening but listen there's other places for that (laughs) there are other places for you to get those things and for you to be fulfilled in those ways than going to a party that you know is not going to end well for you or even if you don't know if it's going to end well for you you just are unsure right why step into a situation when you're not sure what the outcome is going to be that that doesn't feel like a wise choice to me what do you guys think no, that I I totally agree. Um, you know, we just have to trust that um, as God guides and protects us. You know, He He looks out for our flourishing, yeah. not for our detriment. Yeah. You know, and He, um, you know, says these things in the Bible for our flourishing, not for our detriment, not for us to um, stray away um, and fall into you know a deep hole of of you know. Um, terrible things in the world, depression, anger, sadness, you know, he, he wants us to pursue these things and radiate these things, um, so that we can, um, you know, shed his light and radiate his light, you know, to the world. I mean, and, and so that we can be with him Yeah, because he's, he is where life is found. And so you're, you're right. You're spot on that, that he is for our flourishing. He, he wants us to be joyful. And so can the, to answer the question, can you party and still love Jesus? Sure. But I think, I think the, the question should be flipped a little bit. Can you love Jesus and still party? Mm. I'm going to say yes. I, I, I think yes, you can. But, but even just that flipping of the question, to me, reprioritizes your heart. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a totally different question. Because it's, not, it's now not, well, can I have this thing and still follow Jesus? It's, no, no, no I, I want Jesus is it okay if I, if I still do this thing over here? But, but first, if, if Jesus is my priority, then everything else will flow from that. Yeah. yeah. Making, making Jesus the king of our hearts, yeah. you know, that's the answer. That's the and answer. And everything will fall. Yeah, which is simple, but yet incredibly difficult. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. All right, guys, sure. I think this has been a pretty decent conversation. How do you all feel about it? I would totally agree with that statement. <laughs> I think it's been a very good conversation. I think you've opened a lot of doors, and I hope that our listeners enjoy, and I encourage anybody who disagrees or wants to talk more about this to reach out to 
any of us and yeah. yeah, we would love to sit down and have a conversation with you about this. Yeah, if you're if you're listening to this, if you're still listening at this point, first off, congratulations, you made it to the end. Uh, and thanks you you staying. have yeah, thanks for saying. You got questions? You can either DM our Instagram account, which is just at Paradox College, or you can email me. I'd love to get your emails. My name's Caleb C A L E B, and my email is Caleb at theparadoxchurch dot com. It's a long email address, but I believe in your abilities to spell it out. Um, I'll try to add that into, into our show notes as well. Uh, any, any last things you guys want to add as we're wrapping up the conversation? I'm good. Appreciate you, Jared and Caleb, and yeah. uh, appreciate y'all, y'all listening. If you have stuck around. Yes, yes, yes. You guys, you fix your eyes on Jesus. You're, you're going to, to not gratify the desires of the flesh. But it's a daily process of repenting because our hearts are prone to wonder and we're gonna we're gonna find ourselves looking and running towards other things. But the 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 good news is that Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me again. Come to me again. Dane Ortland has a, a great quote where he says that, that the whole of Christianity can be summed up into two steps. The first is come to Jesus, the second is repeat step one. And so that's what we get to do. That's a good word. That's what we get to do. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to you, uh, Isaac and Jared, for, for joining me. And uh, if you guys have other topics you want to you hear a podcast on, let us know. We'll, we'll see what we can do about it. Thanks, guys. Thanks.